Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, we're going to go through some of the turning points in the game yesterday. Super Bowl 57 in the books as we... Welcome you in on a Reaction Monday here on Sports Radio 610. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne with you. Um, I think the the big picture storyline coming out of this game, big picture, not the granular details of the game. We'll talk about the holding penalty on Bradbury that um, allowed Kansas City to keep the ball until there was virtually no time left on the clock. We'll talk about the big plays in this game, the big swings, mistakes that were made. Um, to me, the big story coming out of this game is – Patrick Mahomes, two Super Bowls in four years, five AFC title games in five years, two Super Bowl MVPs. Um, he's 2-1 and one in Super Bowls. The person that he is going to get most compared to now going forward is Tom Brady. There's no doubt. If he's not already been compared to him, the comparisons are going to pick up in full force now that he's in that multiple Super Bowl club of multiple Super Bowl winner, multiple Super Bowl MVP winner, He's 27 years old, Patrick Mahomes. You made this point earlier, Seth, and obviously it's I mean it's inarguable that that Patrick Mahomes is the catalyst for everything the Chiefs have been doing the last 5 years. He's been the league MVP twice, and probably could have won it another time if we went and looked. Um Tom Brady his first 5 years, look Brady's the GOAT. He's the best of all time. His first 5 years though, he wasn't he wasn't doing the things individually that Patrick Mahomes. He certainly aesthetically didn't look like what Patrick Mahomes looks like out there. Um, yeah. Where he just Mahomes looks like he was built in a lab somewhere and he came from another planet. And Manning for the longest time was hey regular season Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know they could stack up rack up the stats in the regular season and then be awful in the playoffs. Those guys really didn't come into their own until. Really, like around the age that Mahomes is at now, having already accomplished all of this, it's, I think the biggest wild card at this point, especially now that the Chiefs have lost Tyree Kill and managed to continue the offensive ex- excellence, um, like they've, they've proven that they, sh- they'll, they'll likely be able to manage this, um, with the salary cap and everything, yeah. it looks like Mahomes might go the Brady route and be totally cool with taking less than market value. Until we start to hear agitation from Mahomes about all these contracts outpacing him. And I know on paper it looks like they're the same. They're not the same contracts at all. Like these other contracts are much, much better than Mahomes, uh, the, the ones he has. So it's it's hard. And I'm I'm the first to criticize when people say like that it's – you know, it's hard to imagine a team not being dominant for years to come. 
it's hard not to imagine the Chiefs being a huge, huge threat every single year, yeah. as long as Andy Reid stays healthy. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's getting up there in years, and he's not – he doesn't look like a guy that's going to age super great. No, he's he you know? looks he looks better than he used to. He's, he's dropped a few lbs, but he still yeah. um, he he could he could still stand some time he, in the gym. He is only sixty four years old. I mean, I don't know if I would have previously said only sixty four years old, but we live in a town where uh, Dusty Baker is seventy three years old. Yeah, and just. Uh, <laughs> doing doing quite well. Yep. Uh, it, it, I don't know if Dusty like I don't think Dusty is as sharp as he probably was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um but over that time you accumulate a certain wisdom and judgment perhaps that uh you didn't have when you were a young cocksure 64-year-old. You know, Andy Reid is kind of young and, you know, cocky and dumb in a lot of ways. By the time he's 74, he'll probably have wised up a little bit. Andy Reid's the other one that stands to gain from a legacy standpoint from this Super Bowl. Um look, he was the guy up until a couple of years ago, 4 years ago, he was the guy who couldn't win the big one. He was a little like Peyton Manning, kind of, you know, in in of coaches in that he boy he sure did a lot of great things and won a whole bunch of games but he was one in four in NFC title games with the Eagles couldn't get over the hump with the Chiefs um and then in 2019 he finally breaks through wins a Super Bowl he's now got a second Super Bowl Florio wrote a post about this this morning and everybody's got their own criteria you know it looks like Florio's is you've got to have three Super Bowl wins to get inside the the VIP section of the club but he says one more Super Bowl win and he's a, he's a, he's one more Super Bowl win. Reed from cracking my own personal top five list of all time: Shula, Belichick, Hallis, Noel, Walsh. Hmm. Subjective, I, yeah, I, I guess. Like I, you know, I wasn't around to watch Papa Bear Hallis coach in games, so I can't say how good he was with things like game management and adjustments at halftime and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that if you look at Reed's career. A little bit more symmetry with Philadelphia last night, or the, um, there's all kinds of it's, it's all the scripts all coming together. Sean, yeah, yeah. The season here, but they wrote a crappy when, ending to it just for what it's when worth. they were talking about forcing Jalen Hurts to his left because he's better, you know, throwing from his right. I mean, when Andy Reid was in Philadelphia, the strategy against Vic was to force Vic to his right because he's left-handed, yep. uh, and he was a lot better to his left. And so, like those little strategies there. Andy Reid is well acquainted with, but you also remember, yeah, okay, if Andy Reid had had a Pat Mahomes early in his career instead of a Donovan McNabb early in his career, what what would the story of Andy Reid's career be right now? I think that you know circumstances matter. Like just for if Pat Mahomes had gone and been coached by Cliff Kingsbury instead of Andy Reid, what would we be saying about Pat Mahomes right now? It's just the perfect marriage of two really talented people, and and I think much like it. It's different, but it's the same in some ways. In New England, obviously, Belichick and Brady are different types of personalities, but they both they they both kind of understood that they had a good thing going with each other, and they made each other better, and they and they were able to keep it going mostly because Brady more more I think Brady subjugated his ego more than Belichick. Um, but I, I could see that same thing with Reed and Mahomes. There's oh, nobody yeah. that really wants credit for it. Yep. You know, there, there's not nobody's going to get all up in their feelings about not getting enough credit for the wins. They just want to win football games. Absolutely. All right. So um, these, to me, Seth, were the three biggest plays of this game. These 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 three plays are the biggest reasons why Kansas City ended up winning this football game. The first one was in the first half. 
The Eagles had scored a touchdown to go up 14-7. Five plays, 68 yards. They went down the field. I think that was the A.J. Brown touchdown, put them up 14-7. They force a three and out on the Chiefs next series. And then the Eagles have the ball back in the early in the second quarter with a chance to go up by two scores early in this game. And then the game is playing into the Eagles' hands. They were already possessing the football in this game. They get up two scores in the first half, and they can really start to run the football. I mean, they did throughout the first half. They were up by 10, and it felt like they should have been up by 20. And a big reason was this play here, up 14-7. There was a third and one at about midfield. False start on the Eagles' right guard, Sumalo. And that makes it third and six. So now the Eagles, instead of getting to run that sneak play where they just shove Jalen Hurts over the first down marker, now it's third and six. And they've got to run a different play. Hertz gets forced out to his right, and when he's switching the ball from one hand to the other, this happens. The ball is at the Eagles 48. Empty backfield. Hertz looks. He starts to run. He fumbles the football. And it is recovered by the Chiefs. And running all the way in for a touchdown, it is Nick Bolt. Yep. There's the biggest mistake of the game. So you you had a possession in a game where you are moving the football, like you are scoring yeah. points. You have a chance to go up 21-7, and instead, catastrophe because of little mistakes, and it's 14-14. You know, there are a couple things about that. For one, okay, the right guard, Greg Olson, weirdly. I like Greg Olson a lot, but he he weirdly had some offensive bias in this game that was annoying me. Like when the right guard obviously had the false start there, he said that the Eagles, the the Chiefs were lucky to get that call. Um, I okay, I guess like it was a clear false start. Um, but then the the very next play, which ended up being the fumble. I think it was the right guard that just completely whiffed in pass protection mentally too, um, because the, the 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 guy was completely the, the Chiefs defender unblocked. was completely unblocked. Yeah. Um, as the as the other defensive tackle got double teamed, so uh, that was a, a bad couple of downs for the offensive line for the otherwise awesome Eagles offensive line. Yep. Yep. That was a that was a, and it was a uh, obviously a. a Poor play on the part of Hertz, who just got he got sloppy with the football. He the, the fumble wasn't them slapping the ball out of his hands. The fumble was him switching hands and just losing it. And Bolton came in and made a play, and so it's fourteen fourteen. That was big play number one. Big play number two. The sequence there was the Chiefs had just gone up twenty eight twenty seven in this game, and the Eagles get the ball back with about twelve minutes to go in the game. They go three and out. So in a game where it's starting to turn into a bit of a tennis match going back and forth, the Chiefs' defense is able to break serve and force a punt. And then the Eagles allow this to happen on the punt return. Zebash will punt and sends it down the middle looking into the whites. It was retrieved at the 30-yard line by Kadarius Tony. He dances and breaks the tackle. Runs laterally on the 35. Blockers ahead the near side 40. Blocker at the 50 on the near sideline the 40. Getting a block at the 30 down the near sideline the 20. He gets another block at the 10. He spins to the 5. This kid's electric. All gas, no break. Down to the 5. Down to the 5. Kadarius, Kevin Harlan's great. That obviously the call on Westwood won. The first call, the fumble return we took from the Eagles radio network. Um, Kadarius Tony, you know, the, the Chiefs have done a pretty good job, Seth, and it, when they traded Tyreek Hill. The way you can trade Tyreek Hill and still maintain the level of play or maybe even improve upon it is yeah. they have a great rookie class. They knocked it out of the park with their draft class, and they trade a couple mid-round picks for 
a guy in Kadarius Tony who's a former first round pick that just flunked out with the Giants. Like he just couldn't vibe with the Giants. He gets to Kansas City. Maybe he's a front runner. He's on the best team in football. But he had a touchdown in this game, and that punt return that set up a short touchdown to give the Chiefs a 35-27 lead, to me, was the second biggest play in this game. Three things about that play that were interesting. One, Greg Olson said he had been talking to the special teams coordinator for the Chiefs before the game, and he just kind of casually mentioned that there'd never been a punt return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl before. And uh, and Greg Olson was like, hey, are you trying to tell me something? I don't know. Uh, and it, obviously, it wasn't for a touchdown, but it came close. And, and when you watch that play, they had that return set up to, to work out that way. But Tony just – like, Kadarius Tony gambled huge in, like, how aggressively he set it to the left there. But you could see the lack of discipline by the – the Eagles special teams unit by their yep. their punt team. Their guy, the guys on the left side, just weren't. They didn't have the proper angles. Um, they were kind of undercutting their their route to the ball. So they set it up very very well. Um, but three, I don't know if I said two or not. But three was that two was just Kadarius Tony and how well he did it. Three, did you notice that Kadarius Tony was wearing like the scuba gear cold weather? Set yes, up. it was like seventy-eight degrees. The at whole headgear on and everything. Yeah, maybe he just hates it. Maybe he hated playing up north in. Uh, maybe obviously he's still up north in Kansas City, but he's on a better team. Um, how the hell do you wear that when it's seventy-eight degrees out? Superstitious, maybe. Maybe he wore it during the playoffs in the cold weather games. He's like, man, we got this far. I'm going to keep wearing my scuba gear. It's good. I'm superstitious about not cramping up. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, hey, real quick before we get to the last play that was really important in this game, are you surprised Andy Reid didn't go for two there to try to make it a two possession game? He's up 34 27, extra point pending. He kicks the extra point to go up eight with nine minutes to go. You go for two. The upside of being up nine, to me, outweighs the downside of missing the two point conversion and only being up seven at that point. But if you get the two point, if you when you kick it, then they it's still a less likely. I don't know how the charts look, but that feels like you're still trading something that's um, you're going up where B. I almost like I look at a two point conversion as having to score twice, yeah. almost. So I, you're putting in the Eagles, you're putting the Eagles in a position of having to score twice, okay, um, by way of the two point conversion. Yeah, I just think the upside of being up by two possessions with know. that little time to go in the game, I, and maybe I'm a lot sure at seven sixteen in the morning, about this. yeah. Yeah. That's like a 49% versus 51% difference, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah. Somebody's going to act like it was the dumbest thing in the world. I'm a big yeah. believer in going for two right there at any rate. All right, here was the last play that wound up being super important in this game. This was the play that took all the starch out of what could have been a fantastic finish. Third and eight, Philadelphia 15. Eagles trying to get off the field and force a field goal attempt. Here's what happened. Mahomes takes the snap. He's back. He is firing. And it is incomplete, but there's a penalty flag thrown. The pass was intended for Smith-Schuster on the far side of the field, but the flag came, and I think it's going to be defensive holding against the Eagles. You are right. It's a double move on the outside. Smith-Schuster. Prior to the pass, holding number 24. Five-yard penalty, automatic. That was game over. That was game over right there. At that point, the Eagles had no timeouts left. There's two minutes left in the game. The the, the Chiefs could have just they had or sorry they had one timeout left. But there's a minute fifty four yeah. and it's first and ten. 
And that's basically what the Chiefs did. They they ran one play, and then they just took knees, and they kicked a field goal with 11 seconds to go. Well, and uh, one of the key parts of that was Jarek McKinnon running and getting up uh, very close to the end zone. At first glance, it didn't look obvious to me that he was going to slide. I thought he was cutting it really close. And then when they showed the reverse angle, you could see by his face that he was like kind of checking the sideline, looking where the goal line was. I, I do feel like uh, it looked like maybe he was trying to get the first down but not the touchdown, where that would have been just way too close to call. Dude, yeah, you, the, the first down I mean, line was at the one-yard yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needed his it. His foot, I mean, his foot actually hit the goal line, but it's where you start the slide that uh, they, they mark it from. Yep, so that was, uh, that was game over right there. Those were, in my estimation, those are the three biggest plays of the game. The, punt re- or the uh, fumble return by Bolton. Which kept up? What was uh, honestly? It was heading towards a blowout in the first half. That that yeah. kept the. I mean, the Eagles still with that play. They were still up ten at the half. The 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 Chiefs ran twenty plays in the first half. The Eagles had seventeen first downs in the first half. Well, and even in the second half, even though the Chiefs came out and you know it scored a touchdown in one drive. The Eagles came back and had a 17-play drive. Like they were, they were doing everything you're supposed to do when you're physically beating a team. Is just keep physically beating them, keep the time of possession running up. Um, it really, uh, it, it was, it was a weird football game, not in a bad way. It was just strange the way it all worked out. Yep. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a reaction Monday. Seven one three five seven two four six ten. If you want to hit us, trailer wheel and frame text page. Head coaching cycle still going. It looks like we will have a uh, a new hire in the AFC South, and there is a coach interviewing in Arizona that Philadelphia people might just gift wrap and send to Arizona. We'll talk about the where we are with the head coaching cycle next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents... Payne and Pendergast. All right, we'll circle back to the Super Bowl. Headlines coming up in the next segment. Uh, 38-35, the final score, as many of you know. The Kansas City Chiefs are your world champions. Again, uh, there are two head coaching openings officially still left, although one of them appears to be getting ready to get filled today. 
Um, Indianapolis, after an exhaustive search for a head coach in which they interviewed upwards of 15 candidates, narrowed it down to seven finalists, had Jim Irsay tweeting to everybody to calm down. It's going to take days, not hours, to find a coach. Um, It looks like maybe one of the reasons, Seth, that they had been dragging their feet is that their head coach of choice was coaching a prolific offense in the Super Bowl yesterday. Shane Steichen, the OC for the Eagles, uh, we welcome him to the AFC South. It looks like he's going to be the new head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. If they have – do the Colts have A.J. Brown on their roster? I I mean, look, no, they've got Michael Pittman Jr., I guess. They have Devontae Smith on their roster. They don't, no, uh, they do not. No, I I can't name. They've got Alex Pierce, Alex Pierce, a guy they draft. Alex Pierce actually is a – Not bad. a nice enough guy. Not Devontae. Do they have a Do they have a, a Jalen Hurts uh, type? A quarterback? No, they actually. I don't. I don't even. I, is Matt Ryan still on their roster officially? Officially, as I they have uh, Sam it, Ellinger. He's from Texas. Right. Ellinger can run around a little bit. Nick yeah. Foles. You know, yeah, Nick Foles, who did not look like he was willing to play football at all. He looked like he was out there. He looked like he might be as one of the subjects of those Jesus commercials that they've been showing during the NFL this year. Yeah. Where like, uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick, I'll show Nick Foles sacrificing his body for, uh, passively. After his third like, pick. <laughs> I liked those Jesus commercials, by the way. You did? I did. I did. They showed, they basically showed people acting, uh, uh, you know, not like the, the best versions of themselves. And then they'd say, hey, man. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus wouldn't have acted it's like about this. forgiveness, you, baby. Try yeah. to be, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, see past your differences. All Jesus had a huge budget, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were, I thought you were going to say but. <laughs> I like, don't know. Where are we going with this? I don't know. Why are you? We already have that one listener that feels you're sacrilegious. And no, now you're going to start talking about budget. Jesus like he's no, a Kardashian. I was just, now I'm pocket oh watching on Jesus. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, a big he, budget. Yeah, I don't know. Who was that for anyway? I tried to see. There's some fine print at the bottom of the screen. But I think it was just Jesus calling up the Super Bowl and saying, "Hey, man, I've got to, I've got several million dollars burning a hole in my pocket. Let me get, <laughs> let me get my word out to the people." I thought they were good. Doritos, yeah, Applebee's, Jesus. I told yeah. you I like those better than the. I like those better than like fire and brimstone. Like I, I don't. I feel like okay, yeah, great. You can you can paint your image of hell to me and all that, but whatever. I like the uh, the peace, love, and happiness version of stuff. I do too. That, uh, yeah, supposedly the the Christian group is he gets us. They yeah. reportedly spent twenty million dollars on two Super Bowl advertisements. Twenty million. Yeah. Oh my God. Jesus. Wow. He gets us. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some bling, he's got, too. He got, he got some. Jesus is iced up, man. Jesus walking in with gold chains. <laughs> hey, man, give me my I two Super Bowl I feel like Jesus would have recommended against these commercials. I know. <laughs> the last commercial should have been, like, two guys being like, all right, now here's what we're going to do. And they're storyboarding out the Jesus commercial. Right. Then in walks in Jesus, and he's like, hey, fellas, you know, uh, if if I were me, I just wouldn't be spending the money on these. Right, yeah. right. May I point you to some <laughs> underprivileged people over here who could use twenty million dollars? So uh, it was a. <laughs> 
I liked them. I, I don't know. know. I did too. I did too. They might get me into church. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's where you're. If you're spending the money, you know what? on getting people into church, right? Then that's. I would say that's money. That's probably their mission. Yes. And that's that's money once well spent. It's an investment. Yes. And if Seth yes. Payne starts tithing, they'll make up that twenty million in no time. No yeah, time. I'm gonna I get say. up in the middle of every sermon and be like, "Be more like the commercials." <laughs> Boo! Boo! <laughs> I'll go in completely unaware of anything. I'll be like, what is this synagogue anyway? Where is the... I need it to be more like those commercials from the Super Bowl. Bait and What's switch. going on in here? Jesus is bait and switch. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the Colts... I, we say all this to say the Colts are hiring Shane Steichen. It's be their head the coach. worst mosque I've ever seen. What's that? <laughs> Steichen's going to yeah, Indianapolis. Going to the Colts, yeah. And, um, and Steichen, who we, we came very close... To falling in love with, we will now despise with the passion of a thousand sons. Yes. And, uh, yes, that's, a, that's what we, we will. Him. Yeah, Steichen, miserable wretch of a human being. Yeah. Without an A.J. Brown or a Jalen Hurts or Devontae Smith, he will be nothing. That's what we say. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Jim Ursay selfishly announcing this. I don't know if he even announced it or not. Did he tweet about it? No. On the day of the no, Super no, it got, Bowl? It got reported. My guess is he leaked it to somebody who then reported it. You know? I mean, it's like the day of the Super Bowl. I'm thinking Steichen probably doesn't want that extra distraction, right? Yeah, yeah. That's just some – it's something extra that his players hey. are going to be hearing about that maybe he hasn't disclosed to them yet. Come on. Offense was not the problem for the Eagles in that game. I would say if I'm a Colts fan, I, I take uh, I take solace in the fact that Shane Steichen looked yeah. like he had his group focused amidst all the speculation and news reports. That's a very good point. And I think they did a good job of um, handling the Kansas City defense that – it's, it's different than the Kansas City with Steve Spagnola defenses that you think of. Like They didn't have to blitz nearly as much this year as they used to have to. The defensive backs with Justin Reed there um, inside of Tyron Matthew, frankly, was a more physical bunch yeah. this year in the secondary. And it was, um, it was a very impressive performance by not just Jalen Hurts, the entire offense of the Eagles. Um. The other opening that still remains is Arizona, who they've requested permission yesterday to interview Eagles defensive coordinator and almost Texans head coach, if you believe reports, Jonathan Gannon. What we learned this morning by listening in on our friend Angelo Cataldi, the uh, host of our sister station, WIP, uh, the host of their morning show, um, we learned that they would probably gift wrap Jonathan Gannon. They would most certainly drive him to the airport to put him on his flight to uh, to Arizona, or just leave him in Arizona after the Super Bowl, just not bring him home. Here was Cataldi this morning saying the number one guy to blame for that loss, Gannon. Number one we're going to rip is the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Nick Sirianni, a couple of weeks ago, called this radio program and started reeling off the brilliance of Jonathan Gannon's defense this year. I will predict, he's not booked to be on today, uh-huh. I will predict he will not be doing that again in the foreseeable future. Rhea, you saw that, right? Yeah. Were you pulling your hair out in the fourth quarter yeah. as you watched the Chiefs own the Eagles coaching staff? The coaching in the second half of that game was a determining factor, and it began with Jonathan Gannon. There was no question about it. He was owned by Andy Reid. I owned. Ah, would you see it differently? No, I, I, I said it looked like Andy Reid took him over his knee and spanked him at the 50-yard line yeah. the whole second half. What the hell was going on with our defensive strategy? There was was there any? No, Andy was just, there any? Andy picked it apart. Oh, my goodness.
He picked it apart. They couldn't get pre- they couldn't get pressure, Seth. The, right. The, that's they, they zero yeah. sacks, yeah. two QB pressures the whole game for the for the team, the defense that led the league in sacks by far this year. By it's far. another it's another smart thing that Andy Reid did was okay, recognize what what do I have to worry about and what can I attack? So the biggest thing to worry about with the Chiefs was their defensive line. They're very, very good at rushing the passer. They don't have the blitz to do it. They had 15 more sacks this year than the second-place team in the NFL in sacks. And they just they peppered them with a bunch of screens early on. For the most part, Mahomes got rid of the ball very quickly. The average time to throw is a little skewed by some long scrambles and everything. But most for the most part, he's getting rid of the ball really quickly. You saw the first half passing chart. It was a whole lot right around the line of scrimmage, not that deep. And and it took some pepper off the pass rush and then they just started they attacked the linebackers. And even when they're like even when they're attacking the the, the defensive backfield, it was set up by how much uncertainty there was with the, the Eagles linebackers. So, um, yeah, I guess, do you blame Gannon for that completely and totally? I don't think so. At some point, you gotta, you got to expect that defensive line to get a pass rush. Don't tell that um, to Cataldi. <laughs> He's yeah. blaming him lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> if, if Cataldi's going to retire... Like Alan, Nira, those those other two people, they can't be carrying the show, can they? Alan, they, uh, oh, and Rhea, yeah, yeah Rhea. Okay, yeah, it yeah. sounds like they're. Um, no, I think like they're, they're just there almost just to be like a like a bulletin board for Cataldi. I to think pick things on. I think they are keep. I know they're keeping Rhea for the new morning show. They're taking their midday guys and moving them up to mornings. Oh, okay. so yeah, yeah. One of them is John Ritchie. He used to play fullback in the NFL for a while. I think for yeah, the Eagles, actually. Yeah, Ritchie. He's been there forever. Did he ever hit you? Did I you ever go against him? Uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um. He. Uh, well, anyway, we don't have to talk about yeah, Philadelphia yeah. radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. I think that for one, I I I do believe I would disagree with Cataldi. There, I do think that Sirianni will probably na- say nice things um, about Jonathan Gannon. I think that at some point, yeah, like if you're you you ride the horse that brought you there, and the horse was the defensive line, and they weren't getting it done the the way they should have. Yep. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Reaction Monday. If you want to, uh, if you want to get in, seven one three five seven two four six ten. Interesting question on the text page that leads into our next segment at seven forty. Between now and the draft, when appropriate, we are going to do mock draft injection. And today, we're doing our friend John Harris's mock draft. He sent it to us on Friday. Brooks Cabina, I know you were in here Friday. We'll get to yours tomorrow. Um, we're going to do John Harris's mock draft. And the next one, which is in, there's an interesting question along those lines from a texter on the trailer wheel and frame text page. With Steichen, with Steichen getting the Colts job, does that mean the Colts are going to be more motivated to move up and get the number one pick? In the draft, interesting question. We'll address next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to twenty percent versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, good to be with you on a uh, Monday, Super Bowl 57 in the books. We'll start to look ahead now as the weeks go on. Draft will be coming up before we know it. Combine coming up, end of the month. So uh, as we've been doing, um, this segment right before headlines, we always have a few minutes. So I figured just to keep our uh, draft enthusiasm lathered up, we can look at different experts. There's mock drafts all over the place. To me, the number one expert on this stuff is John Harris of the, uh, of course, Texan sideline reporter, footballtakeover.com. And I will say this about his mock draft, Seth. This is the most fun mock draft that I've read so far because we had a texter text in and ask us if the Colts, uh, because Steichen got the Colts job, does that mean the Colts are going to go try to get the number one pick right now? Well, guess what? Guess what the Colts don't do in John Harris's mock draft? They don't move. They move up. They move up. But they're not able to move up to number one because the Houston Texans move up to number one and make sure they get their guy. Here we go. Yep. Let's 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 do this thing here. After a trade up to number one overall, the Houston Texans in John Harris's mock draft select Bryce Young, quarterback Alabama. Johnny has them giving up a third rounder this year and a third rounder next year to move up one spot from two to one. Well, and you know, thank God that they law- they won that final game, which gave them the number two overall pick. Yeah, then they have the now they have that fodder to trade that number two overall pick as well up to number one. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. Thank you, Lovey Smith. That's what they did. So, yeah. That's what they did. So yeah, that's I guess um, I guess in something like this, you go if someone walked up to Nick Casario before the game, like if this yeah. ended up being the trade, right? Yeah. Um, and someone walked up to we we go back in the wayback machine before the Colts game, and someone asked Nick, "Hey, would you trade a third rounder this year and a third rounder next year to win this?" This game? This game. <laughs> Some of these questions are absolutely ridiculous. It's what it is, right? Like if they if they have to move up, if they have to move up, they have to move up from two to one. Whatever it is they trade, yeah. The question becomes: Would you before that game have traded these picks to go move up to one? That's, I know there's cultural reasons to win the game, right? And right. You know, the, you know, you know, you know. Do you know how? Like, obviously. Obviously, you, nobody wants that trade. Right. But in general, just to, uh, even with all emotion removed from it and everything else, uh, to make that would mean okay, is a win worth two third round picks? So basically, for for fifteen wins in a year, would you trade thirty third round picks? 
I don't think you would, right? That's uh, well, if it's fifteen think... wins means I'm the number one overall seed. They can have my third round picks from now until the end of time. It's thirty third round picks, which is the equivalent of like uh, what, like ten first round picks. I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't I don't know, man. Now we're going down that Jimmy do Johnson wormhole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, would you? Okay, but but, but... I, boy, I, there's no way to feel good about that. Okay, no, because I and again, I don't blame Lovey. I don't blame Cal McNair. I don't blame Nick Casario for winning that game. It was. <laughs> It, a tough it, trade-off. It was it was a Colts botched easy interception, an yeah. easy interception away from you being number one overall. Yep. Uh, like, I don't what, what's Lovey Smith going to do? Kick the kick for one and then try to intentionally lose in overtime? I none of it makes any sense to me. It's just bad, dumb luck that the Texans won that game, given the circumstances now. But um, I. I will be surprised if that happens. Yeah. I, I personally don't think the Texans are going to try to trade up to number one overall. I think that they probably are intrigued by both C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, but I don't know if they feel like, yeah, that's it, like it's worth trading any amount of capital to go up and grab one of them. Yeah, I would do this deal. I like Bryce Young that much. <laughs> this doesn't feel like that much to me. I mean, I know, I know it's two day two picks. I get it. Yeah. Um, but I like Bryce Young a lot, so I, I would do that. As long as there's no first or second round picks involved, I would do the deal. Do you find yourself, this is how you know whether you like Bryce Young or not, yeah. when you find yourself watching guys like Devontae Smith and uh, after he gets a big hit, like he got just like Justin Reed laid <laughs> yes. the wood on yes. him early in that game yeah, and Devontae no, you're Smith right. popped right up. <laughs> you're right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think Bryce Young can make it. You, I look, yeah, look at that. Look dude, at that hit. He just you're, like, I mean, <laughs> you're reading my mind. Yeah. I, after the Reed hit, after the one where he got up limping and he's yeah. walking off the field and Amy looks at the screen, she goes, that that guy has skinny little chicken legs. Yeah. And I said, yes, he does. That's my quarterback. Just like his former teammate, Bryce Young. <laughs> That's, um, and you forget that Justin Reed weighs 100 pounds less than some of the guys that are going to be hitting the, gonna be hitting Bryce Young okay. when he's in a completely exposed yeah. and unprotected position. I take but it back. Still. I'm not doing the trade. You talk <laughs> me out. <laughs> I'm I, the worst. I really like Bryce Young, but I, I'm also very – Nervous about the uncertainty of his size. I am yes, too. I know that. I'll, I know that big guys can get hurt too. Yep. So who does John have um, the the Colts take? He has the Colts actually moving up to number two. So he's got the Bears trading back to two and then trading Ooh. back to four, Bears picking up a moves. bunch of picks. Yeah, and Johnny yeah. Harris is where they are active. He's got the Colts moving up to two and drafting. Uh, yeah, there we go. The second pick in the John Harris mock draft. The Colts select Will Levis, quarterback of Kentucky. So CJ Shroud remains on the board. So Shane Steichen thinks he's going to take Will Levis and turn him into Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts of some sort. Yep. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. You know, uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't be this sarcastic. I was about to say Jalen Hurts would never transfer schools to find a better situation. I can't be this sarcastic because there's already people who think I'm an idiot because they don't realize I was joking about like trading from the, <laughs> about. It's lucky that they had that number two overall pick so they could trade up to number one. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I uh, so I won't I won't make that joke. Yep. But um, I do believe that Jalen Hurts has a different sort of moxie than Will Levis, and uh, I I highly encourage the Colts to take a shot on Will Levis. I do too. Yes. Go ahead and do it, man. I would be I would be okay with that. Um, all right, let's do the Texans' other picks here. Um, it, the twelfth pick in the John Harris mock draft. This is the first time Johnny uh, I've seen a mock draft where I go, okay, I got to look this guy up. Um, Edge rusher Keon White from Georgia yeah. Tech. I'm not familiar with his work too much. I didn't watch a lot of Georgia Tech football this year, but Johnny likes him. Says they need a dynamic offensive weapon, but he did give thought to Bijan Robinson there. John Harris did. 
Um, but he thinks that uh, Keon White, the edge rusher from Georgia Tech, is a uh, dynamic athletic piece that uh, D'Amico Ryans can do some great things with there. Yeah, that's um, and he compares him to a Trayvon Walker like stud, like that athletic. I don't, I don't know if he's uh, that, like Trayvon Walker was just freakishly athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, which a guy like Keon White might suffer from the fact that Trayvon White, uh, Trayvon Walker looks a lot this year. Like, oh yeah, that's right, he didn't actually make a lot of awesome edge rusher moves in college despite being such a stud. Yep. So uh, maybe the, some of the physical freaks will, will take a notch down. You know how these things go. They, Micah Parsons comes along, and then all of a sudden everybody feels like, oh, if I just take an, uh, an incredible stud like that, it'll be just like Micah Parsons. Yeah, yeah. And then you realize, like, oh, wait, we're worried too much about traits and combine stuff. So then guys fall back, and then somebody else shows back up. Um, would, you, swings. would you like a bonus pick here? Johnny has the Texans trading back up into the first round, late in the first round. How do you like yeah. that? Yeah. Okay, I'll give it to you. He's got him trading up with to get the number 27 pick in the draft, and he drafts linebacker Drew Sanders from Arkansas, oh. who's an oh. Alabama transfer. Oh. Yeah. 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 He and he can play on the edge too, right? So he would be, you know, like he'd be playing next to Christian Harris as yep. an outside linebacker. Yep. But like, but yeah, ooh, I like. And at D'Amico Ryan's defense, you're looking for that Greenlaw slash Fred Warner combo. That would be, I I like the vision that that's painted in my brain with that. He says Sanders next to his former Alabama teammate Christian Harris would be unreal. The Arkansas star can add to the pass rush as well on third down, a la Dallas star Micah Parsons. Aha. And in all caps, he's not Parsons, please understand. <laughs> but he's dynamic on third downs for sure. I'm going to hold, you know what, if um, oh yeah, Johnny, if you're... the Texans do draft Drew Sanders and he does become like Micah Parsons, I am going to crush John Harris on the radio every single day. For going easy and saying he's yeah. not Parsons. Yeah. So you son of a bitch. <laughs> Would you, you, uh, why didn't you have the... Guts to say what what actually was. We should do that. that. <laughs> we'll invite Johnny on. Like have our normal tone with him. We're like, hey, bro, you want to come on? And then we'll ambush him and be like, yeah. so remember every- this mock draft? <laughs> we'll do it like a political <laughs> ad. A lot of people out there like Drew Sanders, but not John Harris. He says hey, he's not Micah Parsons. John, I got to talk to you about something you said about Nathan Peterman ten years ago. <laughs> Yes. It's really been stuck in my cross since then. Oh, that's funny. All right, so there is uh, Johnny here. FootballTakeover.com. Nobody does it better than the great John Harris. All right, let's, um, let's get to some headlines, shall we? Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines. Brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. Chiefs have got the lead on the field goal. 36-yard line of Philly. Shotgun snap to Hurts. Dropping back. Only one person rushing. Hurts looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass. It lands at the 20. No one is there. Zeros on the clock. It's over. It's over. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal. (laughs) Trailing at 10. At the halftime stop, 24-14. They go on to win. 38 to 35. Yep, trailing by 10 again, like they were when they won the Super Bowl last time. Trailing by 10. I got to tell you, man, the um, the announcer there. Harlan. Lincoln. Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan. Um, why is Kevin Harlan not calling the game? I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, because he's employed by CBS and it was I know, I, Yeah, but I, you know what I mean. Like, I, I will say, 
and this is where Brandy and I, you know, Brandy and I, we're sleeping in separate bedrooms now because of this. Brandy now, who originally despised Tony Romo as a commentator, now misses Tony Romo. What? Even as even as I am fuming over them sacrilegiously putting Romo into these Caddyshack commercials in the role of Bill freaking Murray, um, she said, she says, I'll paraphrase what she said, uh, he's a stark raving idiot, and yet... Uh, he's entertaining. He brings energy to it. She didn't say the stark raving idiot part of it. But there is something about energy and at the very least uh, or, uh, Romo and the energy that he brings to the broadcast that I kind of miss when Olsen is in there. Olsen's, Olsen is 20 times smarter than Romo and actually pays attention and studies the teams and yet the energy is lacking in a big moment such as that. I, I got to find somewhere, some happy medium between those two. I like Olsen a lot better, but I, I do I do kind of miss Romo's energy, his idiotic energy. I'm, Dude, I'm with you. I'm listening to that Harlan call right there, and it's, it's great. Harlan is great. He's so yeah. good, and he does so many different things. I mean, he's awesome on the NBA. He's really good. I'm with you. He should be bumped higher up in the rotation on CBS, on TV for sure. He's really, really good. I just think of Al Michaels. I'm, I think about Al Michaels' call at the end of that Jacksonville comeback where he was almost inconvenienced by having to stick around in a close game. Yeah. And Kevin Harlan is losing his mind, and he doesn't care about either of the teams. And it, it was just really good. Hey, let me ask you one thing before we get into you know some of the actual important things in this game. That play, that last play, did, did Jalen Hurts get hit on it or something, or did the ball get tipped? That, that was the worst Hail Mary I've ever seen in my life. It landed at, like, the 25-yard line. Like, it was... It was terrible. Yeah, well, the thing about think about the throw that he made to AJ Brown in the end zone. I mean, it wasn't like that was a great throw or anything. That was all about AJ Brown and his punt tracking ability. Right. Um, I think he hasn't been the same guy. I mean, and let's be clear, his arm is shoulder. Never been I forgot about the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, his arm is just not the same, that's and he true. hasn't been the same guy. That's where I'm. I see a lot of people kind of uh, like finalizing their scouting report on Jalen Hurts based on this last month, and I don't think that's fair to Jalen Hurts. And, and especially even as he's played some really good football. You know, he has he does it with his legs as well as his arm. Um, but, obviously, like, there's no way to separate the fact that Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown are, are awesome. They're awesome. Like, they're so awesome. They make plays. No yeah, doubt. yeah. So um, I think Jalen Hurts, you need another season, hopefully where he's completely healthy to really see exactly what he is in this offense. Okay, he was he he was overall. I mean, he had the fumble that was unfortunate. I think if I'm the Eagles, that's just one of those things. Like he's been great all year. He made a mistake. You live with that. He was awesome running the football all night long, especially down near the goal line. He's an automatic first down on these third and shorts. Although these rub, rugby scrum pushes and things like that are annoying. Um, does anything that you saw in that game give you pause about giving him a big contract if you were the Eagles? Uh, no. I think, though, but it's uh, it, it, you're in that classic spot where you'd love to say, well, you know, but now's the time to inject some uh, some sanity into the quarterback contracts, and I don't know if, if you can. I know that you can't put the – you can't put the – the demon back in the jar once like all these guys are getting these contracts um 
And Jalen Hurts like does everything the right He's way. He's above the line of guys that should get a deal, probably. Right, yeah. I and I think that's where the intangibles really matter. I think yeah. a lot of it is you get to this point and like let's say Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray had had the exact same outcomes. Let's say that the Cardinals had had a deep playoff run with Kyler Murray or something. There's still something about Kyler Murray where you just don't get the sense that he is the same maturity level and intelligence level, all those things as Jalen Hurts. So even though Kyler Murray is more talented physically, I don't feel as good giving a bunch of money to Kyler Murray as I do to Jalen Hurts. I I would base a lot of this just more on feel. Like, okay, is Jalen – can I trust that Jalen Hurts is going to continue to work to keep getting better and – and and thrive in this offense for the next several years? And, yeah. And as long as – if I'm – and Howie Roseman is a very smart – front GM. office yep. dude um i think that they'll figure out a way whenever you give any of these deals you just got to figure out a way to be sure that you could clear the deck after three years if you had to. yeah he's he is a safe bet from a makeup standpoint you know because yeah. you look at the guys that got the big deals this past offseason seth i mean there's there's kind of like football character if not personal character risks with all of them like yeah. russell wilson despised by his teammates a weird dude Aaron Rodgers is literally getting ready to start a dark retreat today to go find himself, and he makes drama every offseason. <laughs> Deshaun Watson, need I say more? And then you just, I thought you laid out Kyler Murray perfectly. Those are, Seth, those are the four guys that got big deals does, last offseason. I know. Does the dark retreat start today? Starts today, yeah. Okay, cool. so I did a lot of research on darkness retreats over the weekend. Yeah. A couple things. One is there aren't that many actual darkness retreats in the world. And um, Aubrey something or other is this kind of wellness and health guy that Aaron Rodgers did a podcast with last year where I think he probably learned about it from this Aubrey fella. So anyway, um, there's only so many of them in the world. And from what I understand of listening to this Aubrey fella and several other people is that the really good stuff, the really like the, the hallucinations and everything that help you peer into your soul – don't really start until the fourth day. Mm. So I don't know why he is half-assing this. Okay. But if he really wants to get something out of it, he should be doing like a seven-day darkness retreat. Yeah. So I don't know if um, – I, I feel like if I were a GM, I'd be like, listen, I want a quarterback who goes the full seven days. Yes, commitment. I don't, I don't feel that you are genuinely committed to finding out exactly what you need to do in this life and He's where you need to be. about as committed to this retreat as he is to the Packers. I mean, we should have seen this coming, you know? We totally need to do a darkness retreat, though, Sean. Yeah, you're into this. You want to do this, don't you? Yeah. You actually texted me about this this weekend, saying that four days, not enough. You want to, We should go longer. Aubrey Marcus podcast. Yeah. I, uh, as I was going to bed last night, I, we had all the TV. We had everything turned off in the room. Amy was asleep. Her phone wasn't on. I turned my phone over, so I'm not getting distracted by anything. And I laid there in bed and closed my eyes and said, okay, if I had to do this for... 96 hours mm-hmm. would I be able to do it and I was tweaking after like 20 minutes right right yeah. right but then yeah. you kind of st- settle into do your you comfort zone. they did um this there's one group of kids that did it they did brain scans before and after Ooh. and the neurologist that they had analyzing the brain scan said that they could see that like there were there was evidence of PTSD in his brain beforehand that was absent afterwards wow yeah. okay Okay. I'm I'm not denying that it works. I'm just yep. saying I might not have the makeup and the wherewithal to go through with You'd all of it. You'd be fine. You think Once I you would? actually commit to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If I could be guaranteed hallucinations at some point, I think I would do it. 
Yeah, that's the thing. The kid, the one kid that did the podcast, didn't get any hallucinations. He yeah, that would suck. Uh, kind of got screwed over. I would, I would want demand my, money, my back. money back. Yes, I would. I would keep my receipt. Do I at least get my points? Do I get my Landry's points from this? Yeah, please. Um, you're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. As far as the game goes, this was the play that, unfortunately, in a game that had a ton of game-changing plays that were well-earned, well-designed, well-executed, this was the play that had everybody talking afterwards. Mahomes takes the snap. He's back. He is firing, and it is incomplete, but there's a penalty flag thrown. The pass was intended for Smith-Schuster on the far side of the field, but the flag came, and I think it's going to be defensive holding against the Eagles. You are right. It's a double move on the outside. Smith-Schuster. Prior to the pass, holding. Number 24, defense, yep. five-yard penalty, automatic, first down. All right, that was the Eagles radio network. That was a third and eight at about the Philadelphia 15. Incomplete pass there would get the Eagles defense off of the field and force a field goal try by uh, Harrison Bucker, who, by the way, missed an extra point, or missed a field goal, I should say, from about a similar distance earlier in the game. So it's not a gimme by any means, not on that turf last night. Instead, the Chiefs, and there's about two minutes to go in the game, instead the Chiefs get an automatic first down. The Eagles only have one timeout left, so the Chiefs are able to run the clock all the way down to 11 seconds to go in the game, kick a field goal, and they are the world champions. That was a, Seth, that that refereeing crew, that officiating crew, was letting those two teams play for most of the night, and I didn't think that that was, I mean, I get it, like there was, and even Bradbury himself admitted, yeah, I clutched his jersey, but I... I don't know, man. Like, I don't feel like it affected Juju Smith-Schuster at all on the play, and especially where you see where the ball landed. The ball landed outside of the end zone. When you go back and you watch in real time, well, I mean, he was only throwing it because he thought he was going to get the holding call. That's what what, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't even look agitated afterwards. I think he looked confused more than anything. I don't think he thought he was held. If you watch in real time, it doesn't look like his movement was affected or restricted at all. I know Bradbury says that he thought that it was holding and he shouldn't have done it. I don't know. Maybe he's just he's just trying to be mature and responsible about the whole thing. I did think that that was a, a ticky-tack call at that moment in the game. But I also wonder, this is where I think you got to credit the gamesmanship of Mahomes. I think Mahomes throws that ball, forcing the official to make the decision mm. on it. That that he wasn't – he might not have had any better options, and he's saying, like, okay. And that's oh – boy – Let's go next level on this. Did he intentionally throw it a little beyond his reach to make it look like the restriction really mattered? Make it look you know? like that's where I was expecting the guy to be, yeah, right back yeah, there. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Um, the highlights are on in our studio right now, and they just went up 28-27, so, or 35-27, <laughs> so I'm about to watch this play here in two seconds on my monitor. I, I think also the other part of that game, which is interesting, makes me want to go back and watch more Eagles games, was – Jalen Hurts just being so comfortable throwing into double coverage. You know, and it's not like he's got he he's got, doesn't have like an Aaron Rodgers type of arm or ability to do that. You know, Aaron Rodgers would throw to Devontae Adams in double coverage and it would just be where only Devontae Adams could catch it and nobody else. It was either going to be seven yards out of bounds or Devontae Adams was going to catch it. He had just had a freakish ability to do that. Jalen Hurts doesn't do that, but I do think kind of like lesser quarterbacks could throw to DeAndre Hopkins and and 
as long as they trusted DeAndre Hopkins, they could make it work. That's what you have with Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, um, Goddard. Like, those guys – those guys made some incredible plays on the ball. So it's just it's a very well-constructed team. I'm not taking anything away from Jalen Hurts. I'm just saying it's just all of those pieces working in complement with each other is a, a very impressive spectacle. And you're at, yeah, like Shane Syke and the offensive coordinator didn't lose them that game. It was um, it was the Chiefs offense. It was just so good. The um, the Eagles – I'm sorry, the, the, the call was – they just showed the call again. It's an incredibly ticky-tack call. In that moment right there. In that moment right there. Like I said, said I don't I know people are gonna say a hold's a hold, regardless of when it is. Like, okay, but I don't have a dog in the fight in this game. I picked the Eagles, I bet on the Eagles, I didn't bet the farm on the Eagles. I was enjoying that game going back and forth. Um, I'm watching that game to be entertained. It's undeniable that the starch was completely taken out of the last three minutes of that game by that call. It was just yeah. it turned it turned into a boring final couple minutes with the Chiefs just winding the clock down. I got he he did clutch the jersey. I don't care. I wanted to see the Eagles get a chance to get the ball back and go win the game and go create a moment. I I like moments. What's the moment? Clutching the guy's jersey and then kicking a a, a nineteen yard field goal. What are we doing? Um, people are saying that they don't want us to go on the darkness retreat because they're afraid that we might come back too enlightened and, uh, like reveling in okay. moral victories. What are they trying to say about our current versions good, of ourselves? Good energy, trying to assess the energy of, of the teams on the field. Sean, I've told you, I, it's the same in sports radio as it is with quarterbacks and football coaches. A healthy perspective on life is not conducive to good performance. That's where this is where this uh, this amalgam this uh, this people lumping material success and happiness or contentedness or uh, like an elevated spiritual state is completely and one hundred percent mistaken. They are mutually exclusive. So yeah, there is the danger that if we go off on the darkness retreat and God forbid find happiness, uh, that we'll suck at our jobs and then we'll be happy, but we <laughs> we won't have all. <laughs> Of the the other, we have no voids to fill, Sean. No, yeah, after that, so we can't risk that. No, I just stay miserable. And do, yeah, do this job. I, I'd rather be miserable and and still be be decent at this and make a living doing this than <laughs> than be, be happy. happy and find something else. <laughs> Hell yes! Hell yes! <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, what that's if what, what if just, the problem is that's why that's why it rubs people the wrong way with Rogers because. He like he's found happiness and enlightenment, but it just so happens that he also found a record breaking contract at the yeah. same time. And it doesn't seem to bother him all that much. They're like, Hey, I mean, maybe we win, well, maybe we lose. You well, that's know, when, it's just all big I'm just riding the wave, brother. When when you're saying when you're saying that the the hallucinations don't really kick in until what, day five, you said that guy said? Day five is when the hallucinations kick in. Yeah. So Rogers is only going for four days. Day, so. day four is when it kicks in. Okay, but like and you got you know another couple days of that for it to sort sort yourself all yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So why is Rogers going on the shortest one? So he can go on the shortest one possible to come back and say that he's enlightened and continue to convey this image. He doesn't. If he really wanted to, oh, to your point, like it's part of if his. He was committed to it. Part of his brand. He's this yeah. hipster drama queen that is going to come back smarter than everybody else because he. If he could go on a one day darkness retreat, he would do that to say he's been on one before. You know what's funny is there is because I've you know 
lived in that world a little bit, just in terms of kind of consuming the different health and wellness podcasts and everything. And you, you kind of get a sense for the, the people that are genuinely all about it versus the ones that are like, this is an avenue to making a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and they'll talk about, they'll talk about all of this enlightenment that they find and, being one with the universe and everything, and like I don't, I feel like I'm being set up for something with some of these guys. With the other ones, you can you can tell they're the real deal. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers falls a little bit more into the the category of uh, this is a cool thing to project myself. Yeah, I can say I did as. it. Hell yes, yeah. he is, dude. Yeah. I don't even think he did a punch of karma cleanse. I think he got food poisoning at a Mexican restaurant. I think, think he <laughs> ate some bad enchiladas and said, you know what, I'm just going to tell everybody that I, went out, that I did a Pancha Karma cleanse. You know what he did? He did the old smart business thing, which is uh, everybody, was in, everybody was in there taking the ayahuasca, uh, but when nobody was looking, he threw it over his shoulder yes. instead of drinking from the cup. That's right. So everybody else is hugging each other and having a great time and, and figuring out exactly where their place in the universe is. Yeah. And Rogers is just sitting back calculating how he's going to eat their livers later with yeah, some yes. fava beans. Yes, yes, yes. And sell it to McAfee that he's more enlightened while he's standing in a puddle <laughs> of ayahuasca on the floor that nobody's noticing. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 